0: well welcome everybody if this is your first time man welcome and if you're watching us online today so glad you could join us i am curious how many of you went home after last week's sermon and watched any of the indiana jones movies (laughs) did you do that Boy, i tell you, I've had the itch so bad this whole week. to go. I haven't had the time to do it, but I, I'm going to carve out the time this week. I want to watch one. I think maybe it will help take my mind. Maybe it will take your mind off all the political stuff going on right now. Anybody just a little bit weary of everything going on? I don't want to presume anything, but maybe some of you uh, this week are like, man, this is the most amazing thing ever. And others of you are like, man, I'm sick to my stomach. And I'm going to get out of bed tomorrow. I don't know where you are in all of that. But let me just tell you this. I want to share with you as we get started two truths that I have been 100% confident of for years, long before November 3rd. The first truth is this. Friends, God is still on his throne. Don't ever doubt it for a second. God has always been on his throne. He's always going to be on his throne, okay? Now, Psalm chapter 29, verse 10 says this. The Lord sits enthroned, over the flood. I okay, think back to the very beginning. God's been on his throne since then. And the rest of this verse says this. And the Lord is enthroned as king forever. Friends, don't ever doubt it. The Lord is still on his throne. Here's the second truth that I am um, convinced of and have been convinced of for years and years and years. Long before this election for sure. Right now, uh, Biden and Trump both think they won. Okay. So the next couple weeks are gonna be strange. Okay, so we'll see where this goes. But here's what I know and have known for a long time and I hope that you know it too. The White House and whoever sits in it does not control God's house. The White House does not control God's house. Never has and it never will. God's people, where do we get our marching orders from? From God, we get it from God's word. We're gonna focus in on God's word and we're gonna let the Lord dictate and direct what we do, okay? And so I just, these two things I just feel like I need to share with you. I have believed these my whole life and they have guided me. God is on his throne and there's not a philosophy, there's not an organization, there's not an individual. I don't care what side of the aisle is on. They don't direct what happens in God's house because our allegiance is from God alone, and so we will march forward with the strength that God provides. Now, with saying that, I do think we as a church today need to spend a little time together praying, don't you? Because our land needs healing. I don't know if I've ever experienced our country so divided before. And I, we need to pray that God will do what he does and bring some help. I think the church needs to pray. I need to pray for our country. So, would you join me? Can we all pray together? And let's just put this before God. Dear Heavenly Father, as we have long before this election, we trust you. But Lord, as your followers, we are coming before you right now and laying at your feet what is on our heart. Our heart is heavy for the division that exists in our country. Lord, we all know that that a house divided cannot stand... Lord, we also know that if, if people would humble themselves before you and pray and seek you, you'll heal this land. And so, Lord, we don't presume to arrogantly say you're doing this and you're doing this, and, but Lord, whatever you're doing, help us be faithful. Lord, help us to take our marching orders from you. Lord... I pray no matter what you're doing, would it usher in healing in our land, peace and calm over our cities, and would it usher in a season of revival in this country that is so desperately needed? Lord, whatever you're doing in your upper story and your master plan, would this be a season for the church to rise up and be the people of God you've called us to be, a people that's obvious that we love you and we love each other, and we are, we are setting the pace for the rest of the world to follow. So, Lord, we pray you heal our land. Lord, I pray you bring peace and calm to our streets. Lord, I pray you bring healing between two brothers that should not be fighting. Lord, I pray you bring peace and harmony and understanding and reconciliation to ideas, visions, and concepts for our country. Lord, that's what we pray. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew 14, that's right where we were last week. We're going right back to the same place. While you're finding that, let me remind you, we are in a series right now called Step of Faith. And let me just say a quick word about last weekend. If you weren't able to join us and you haven't had the chance to go watch it online or listen to it, please do that. It's so important because I spend a good part of that sermon kind of bringing everybody back up to speed on what's happening with our multi-site vision and what's happening out at the west side of Bella Vista and our property out there. So please go do that. You can watch and listen to those sermons on Facebook. You can go to YouTube. They're available on our website Um, You can download them in pretty much any podcast that's out there. And I just was informed the other day that uh, we're actually podcasting on Spotify now. I didn't even know that. Um, So if you guys have Spotify, any Spotify users in here have playlists, you can actually search New Life NWA. And I'm told right now it has to be three words. We're going to fix that. But it's New Space, Live Space NWA, okay? I don't know why it's like that. But New Life NWA, it'll pop up to our whatever you call it. And, um, and that's where you find it. You'll see our church logo. I listen to Spotify every day. And so I find that's like, I listen to podcasts all the time and Spotify. Is it. So just, if you do that, just go there and listen to it. But the bottom line is, um, I, w- I want you to listen to it. And I think it will help you be in step with what we believe God is, is doing. So that sermon last week, especially really important. Also with that, I sent an email out to the whole church, um, earlier this week. If you're not getting those emails, go through your app and sign up for those emails We put out communications all the time, but um, this email, I told you about a gathering that we're having next Sunday out at the West Campus. I want to invite all of you to join me and the staff and the elders out at the West Campus next Sunday at three o'clock for a gathering. I don't want to tell you all that we're going to do out there, but I will tell you this. I don't expect this to be longer than 30 minutes. It's not going to be some big, long, hours-long thing, but, you know, sometimes I get going and I don't know when to stop, so I can't make you a promise, but right now I'm anticipating about 30 minutes or less. Some of you, a lot of you probably have driven by our West Campus before. you kind of seen that area, but I doubt many of you have actually walked the land. We're going to have a gathering out there. A few of our guys, Terry and Don, a few others, they've been out there. They cleared out a huge section of that land so we can get hundreds of people back there. They've created nice walkways, so eliminate as many trip hazards as possible we're going to spend some time praying out there. We're going to lay before God to do something great out here on this property that his purposes, his mission will go forward when that day comes, when we can see this vision fully realized. And we want to have this moment out there together. Now I can neither confirm nor deny that you might just see a picture of the new building while you're out there. But if you think you might see it, I suggest you come. All right. So that's at three o'clock next Sunday, and I hope you'll be there. I look forward to seeing you there. Now, we're talking about steps of faith. What are steps of faith? Steps of faith are these defining moments in a person's life, and we all have them from time to time. Those moments were like, am I going to trust God and I'm going to move forward and step out, or am I going to back away and, and not do it? So steps of faith are these defining moments in people's life when when you just boil it all down to the, the bottom line, trusting God, that right there was the distinguishing marker of the action. It's like saying, I feel like God put something on my heart, He wants me to do it, so I'm going to move forward with this adventure, I'm going to go in this direction, I'm going I'm to pursue this idea, because I know God will see me through, I just trust it. It's just those steps of faith are like, I don't need more proof, I don't need all these stars to align perfectly. You know, I, I, I don't need any more experts weighing in. I, I don't have all my I's dotted and T's crossed, but you know what? God's calling me to do it, and I'm going to step out and do it. These are these kind of steps that I'm talking about. And so why do we fail sometimes to go ahead and take these steps of faith? Why is it sometimes that we're right there, and it seems like we're ready to go and trust God, but there's something that causes us to kind of back away and go, eh, I don't know. I know you know what I'm talking about. There could be a number of things that hold us back from fully trusting God with where we're going in life and what we're doing, but if I could put one word that's probably on the top of that list, it would be this, fear. Isn't it true that it's really when you boil it down to it, it's it's fear that, that keeps us from stepping out and trusting God. Fear of the unknown, that's a big one, isn't it? Fear that, uh, fear that uh, we're gonna leave the safety of what we know and to go somewhere that is unknown and it may not be as safe and familiar. Sometimes there's these fears that manifest themselves. as like, I know God said he'd take care of me, but will he really? Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Am I really gonna stake it all and go and just trust? I mean, when you boil it all down to it, it's just, it's just fear, And you may not know this or not, but Jesus encountered plenty of people in his ministry when it, just boil it down to it, it was fear that kept them from following the Lord and doing great things. Let me show you a couple of them. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, you don't need to turn there, it's going to be on the screen behind me. But Jesus was walking along with his disciples and it says this, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Boy, I tell you, are there any other greater words that Jesus could hear? Jesus is out there telling him about God. He's like, I'm going to come. I'm going to join your team, Jesus, and I am going to follow you. But, you know, there's something that Scripture teaches us about the Lord. He knows men's hearts. He, he can actually read people's minds. We see examples of that in Scripture. He knew that this guy had some significant fears. And so Jesus responds to this this way. It's kind of strange until you understand what's going on. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head now that's a strange response. You would think that Jesus, was like, oh, you want to follow me? Come on, get on the Jesus train. We're heading to this town next. You are going to see some amazing things. But no, Jesus says, "Well, hold on a minute. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." Jesus sees something in this guy's heart, and he knows that deep down, what he's saying doesn't match up what is what he sa- what he feels. He's really feeling inside that, hey, I am going to have needs that aren't going to be met. And I think this is Jesus' way of saying, oh, you're worried about your needs being met? I'll tell you something about needs. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have have nests. They've got more guarantees than you. Just trust me, come with me, you'll be fine. But he wouldn't do it. If you keep reading the very next verse, Jesus goes up to another guy and he says, hey, follow me. So this time it's Jesus making the call and, and the man replied, Lord, first, let me go bury my father. Now this seems like a completely reasonable response to Jesus request, but Jesus knew deep down inside, that's just a smoke screen because this guy really didn't fully trust him to follow him. So what did Jesus say? Hey, let the dead bear their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And in doing so, Jesus is addressing this guy's biggest fear about stepping out on faith. It's like him saying, I can't go right now. Who's gonna handle all of this if I leave with you? What happens with all of this if I just step out with you, Jesus? It was his fear. There was another guy in the same same, uh, verse here, verse 61. Still another man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus somehow knew that there wasn't enough of that Faith that uh, he could let go of what he was leaving. Jesus knew there's gonna be some split focus in here if he's worried about this part. So Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In other words, this man's fear is that he's got too many things attached to him. He's gonna constantly be looking backwards and it's gonna distract him from what he needs to go. And following Jesus, friends, is an eyes forward walk. It really is. If we spend our life looking backwards, there's too much back there that wants to jeopardize what God's got right in front of you. So you look at these fears that these guys have. The first guy, he was afraid that his needs would not get met. The second guy, He was afraid that all this other stuff he's got going in his life wasn't going to be taken care of. Third guy, I'm going to be all alone if I go, what about all these people? I'm going to be all alone. You know, there are many things, many things that culminate as fear that want to keep you from stepping out on faith. And can I ask you a question? I want you to think back to a time in your life when you almost stepped out on faith. Any idea come to mind? Any, any example? Is there a time in your life where you were like, oh, I almost did? Have you ever wondered what would have happened if you'd have just pushed through? Ever wonder? Fear is what usually keeps us on that edge, keeps us from stepping and really enjoying this walk of faith with our Lord. Boy, I tell you, when I ask that question, there's one example that just glares in my mind. Back in like oh, 2003, I believe, I had just left a ministry in Oklahoma, my wife and I did, and we didn't know what our next move was. You ever leave one job and have no idea where the next one's coming? That was our life for about four months. So we just kind of like, Lord, where do you want us to go? It was a little directionless, we weren't really sure. But in that time, I got a call one day from a church planting organization out in California. And they're like, Joe, we believe that God may have a calling on your life to be a church planter. We want you and your wife to come out, spend some time with us. Let's explore this together. So my wife and I hopped on a plane and we flew out there. And, and for a whole week, I'm telling you, we were with some of the biggest visionary thinking people I've ever been with in my life. It was like, I even think about it now as inspiring. And we spent a whole week out there. We went through every kind of test, every kind of assessment you can imagine. We drove that whole area. They told us where they want to plant church. We prayed over all these places. And we're like, God, if you want us here, let us know. And we did the whole thing. And at the end of that week, they offered us the opportunity. We believe that God's put this calling on your life. And we want you to come out here and plant a church. And uh, and, and we're going to support it. We're going to come around you. It's going to be this great thing. And I said, I need two weeks to just go home and pray and think. So we're on the plane and, and literally we're in the airport where I'm like, we're on the plane. And my wife looks at me, she goes, I'm hundred percent ready. Let's go. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I'm not quite hundred percent ready. For two whole weeks, we wrestled with that. My wife was ready to step out on faith, guns a blazing, ready to storm the gates of hell with a squirt gun. She was, she was ready to jump, but I couldn't get there. And I didn't get there. And and I look back on that season, obviously, we didn't go. And I I look back on that, and and I've wondered many a times. I've made peace with this, but I've wondered many a times, what would have happened if we had just pushed through and, and did it? What would have happened? You know, I'm thankful for God's grace, but if I'm just being honest with you, what kept me from stepping out and doing that? Fear fear. You know what my fears were wrapped up in? You want me to go 2,000 miles from what's familiar to somewhere that's not familiar. You want me to go from conservative Missouri, Oklahoma area, to liberal California. That's not me, Lord. I can't do that. this is the thought I kept telling myself. Another fear. What if we start this church and no one comes? you do realize that over half of all church plants don't make it more than a year or two. I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna be attached to something that didn't work. What if I can't do it? What if we can't raise the funds? Because when you plant the church, there's a huge financial component. And I, what if I, I, I can't do that. What, what, and, but if I'm just being gut level honest with you, I was afraid. I was afraid of what was out there that it wouldn't work. Now, we could wrestle all day long. What was God's will? What wasn't his will? I'm just going to say this. I've made peace with this years ago, and, and I, here's where I land on that. I'm thankful God gave me a multiple choice, okay? And you've got to be thankful that God gives us multiple choices from time to time. I believe God would have blessed it, but I believe God blessed another adventure too. We ended up in Kansas City. Turned out to be 11 wonderful years, and this is where I kind of, you know, I still wonder what if, what would have happened, but... We spent 11 years in Kansas City, and then God brought us back to the ledge again, and he said, it's time to take another step of faith called Bella Vista. (laughs) I've often wondered, and I'm just kind of talking to you here, did not stepping out on faith help me all those years later go ahead and step out on faith later? I don't know. I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful that he blesses many adventures with his name on it. I think he would have blessed them both. But have you ever wondered what would have happened if you would have just pushed on with that step of faith when you didn't? Yeah, I think maybe perhaps God can help us like he has helped me sort through that question by looking at scripture, because I believe we get our marching orders from the Lord through scripture. Let's look at Matthew 14. Let me help bring you back up to speed with what's happening. Jesus just said fed 5,000 people, and they had more food left over than what they started with. And then at the end of that, Jesus sends his disciples in a boat across the Sea of Galilee, while Jesus dismisses the crowd and he goes up on the mountainside to pray. So let's pick up in verse 22 of chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Now, later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. walked on the water and came toward Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Cried out, "Lord, save me." Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. "You have little faith," he said. "Why did you doubt?" And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, "Truly, You are the Son of God. Now, this is absolutely, like I said last week, one of the most incredible steps of faith moment in all the Bible for obvious reasons. Here you've got Peter and the rest of the disciples. They're experiencing this extremely bad weather. These seasoned fishermen who spent their lives on the Sea of Galilee are experiencing a terrifying moment out there on the sea. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking out to them several miles away from the shore. And their only logical conclusion is, it's a ghost. But then Peter's like, no, it's Jesus. Tell me to come. The next thing you know, Peter swings both legs over the boat. His feet are in the water. He pushes himself up and he begins to walk. And I think about this situation. He leaves the safety of the boat for the unknown of the water, And I think about that. I, I kind of think about that. Why would he leave the boat, which is safe, and go out and follow Jesus out into the unknown, the water? Can I ask you a really important question that I think you should wrestle with today? What is your boat? I mean, what boat did you come in here on, really? What is that? I'll tell you, your boat is whatever represents safety and security to you apart from God himself. That's your boat. It's your boat. Your, your boat is whatever you are tempted to put your trust in, especially when life gets a little stormy around you. Your boat is whatever keeps you comfortable that you don't want to give up, even if giving that up means you're going to walk with Jesus in ways you've never been able to walk with him before. Your boat is whatever pulls you away from the greatest adventure of of following Jesus, like even that extreme discipleship, that's your boat. You want to know what your boat is? Your fear will tell you what your boat is. Just ask yourself this, what is that thing that produces the most fear in me, especially when I contemplate what it would be like to leave it behind and step out on faith? Can I share a, a really important verse in the Bible for you? found in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. It says this, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. It is not God's desire for any of us to walk through this life in fear. When we receive the Holy Spirit, It was not meant to bring fear. No, it's meant to bring other things, power and love and self-control. But I'll tell you, there are some really scary things in this world. And when we think about stepping out on faith and following him, uh, with that comes fear. And with that comes this something that wants to stop us from doing that. And we've all experienced it. And I'll tell you, when that comes into your life and fear wants to keep you from following Jesus, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember several things today as it relates to Matthew 14. And the first thing I want you to remember in all this is this. Jesus is sovereign over you. Jesus is absolutely sovereign over you. And I don't want you to lose sight of this. Jesus was the one in Matthew 14 who sent his disciples in the boat across the sea. It's not like the disciples said, hey, Jesus, this feeding of the 5,000 has been fun and all. Hey, we're going to go on this little joy ride in our boat across the Sea of Galilee. We don't want you to come. You know, it's this disciples thing. And we're going to go across the sea. You go spend some time praying. We'll see you on the other side. They didn't do that. No, no, no. Jesus was the one who said, get in the boat and go. What were the disciples doing? They were obeying And that tells me a whole lot about this situation, about the Lord's sovereignty and how he's involved in our lives. You know, if you've spent much time in the New Testament, Jesus calmed several storms, didn't he? There were several times Jesus was like, stop it. And the wind and waves died down. Do you know in this moment, the disciples had already seen him do that one time before. They'd seen it. Based on the timeline we get from all the accounts of this in the gospel, it's, it's, it's told three times in the gospels. They were probably out there for at least six hours while Jesus sat on the mountainside praying. Those six hours, they were fighting the wind, the waves, and that whole time, I want you to think about this. Jesus on the mountain, they just obeyed him, and they went to where they were supposed to go, and that whole time, Jesus is not only holding them in his hands, but he is holding the wind and the waves in his hands too. This is not a situation that just accidentally happened. No, 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 Jesus sent them. They obeyed. They just did what they were told. They were good followers. But in that moment, Jesus is holding the disciples and the winds at the same times. You know, when we find ourselves getting ready to step out in faith and, and fear wants to step in and you're like, I don't know if I want to do this. Just remember God is in control of everything. Jesus is sovereign over you. And Matthew 14 is a good reminder of this, and you're going to see this more here in just a moment. Second thing I want you to remember when fear wants to take over is this. Jesus is actually interceding for you. The disciples are being tossed all around in this boat, afraid for their lives. But Jesus was doing what at that time? He was on the mountainside praying. And I would imagine this, and the Bible doesn't tell us, but what did Jesus pray about? Do you think Jesus was praying up there saying, Lord, this is going to be an interesting night, isn't it? Yep, they don't know what they're going into. I just told them to go and they did it. Oh, Lord, you know, I'm going to keep the wind right where it needs to be just for this moment. Lord, I pray that one of those disciples, maybe just one, has the faith to trust me when they see me walk out to them. What was Jesus praying about on that mountainside that night? Do you think perhaps maybe he was praying for his disciples that they would stand up and be faithful and not let fear rule the day? Listen to Romans chapter eight, verse 31. Just just listen to this, this description about what our Lord does for us. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave himself up for all of us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who raised to life, is right now at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, when we are ready to step out on faith and fear wants to step in, just remember that you are not alone. God is for you. God is not against you. He is ready to give you the strength and sustenance that you need through the Holy Spirit to step out and trust him. And he has been interceding and involved the whole time. Jesus is also what? He is present With you. So, not not only is he sovereign, not only is he interceding, but Jesus is actually present with you, whether you acknowledge his presence or not. Think about this Jesus comes walking out to them on the water when their fear was at an all time high. They were scared when they saw Jesus. Remember, they thought he was a ghost. Here they are on the sea. Now, last week I, I mentioned to you that. That if you ever get a chance to actually be on the Sea of Galilee, you need to you need to pursue that. It's not as big as what you think. You know, the Sea of Galilee is about eight miles across, about thirteen miles in length. And and the Sea of Galilee actually, it sits about seven hundred feet below sea level. It's the second lowest body of water on the planet. Surrounded by mountains, and what's common is sometimes winds come sweeping across the top of those mountains that come across the, 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 the surface of the water. And and the Sea of Galilee is known for these sudden windstorms that kind of pop up. You know, one of those windstorms looks just like this. Here's a windstorm on the Sea of Galilee. Here, watch this. Yeah, that's what one of these windstorms looks like that is the sea of galilee i don't know about you but i wouldn't want to be on a boat out there especially a little boat a fishing boat it's not too big full of you know 12 ties you know it's complete darkness in the middle of the night i would doubt that they're able to see the shoreline it's not like uh you know it's not like there's a ton of lights along the shore they're probably spun around they're they're they're, they're not sure exactly what direction they're they're facing and I look at that. Maybe even the storm was even worse than that. This is just kind of a common random windstorm across the Sea of Galilee. But in the middle of the night, I wouldn't want to be out there and have anything to do with that. There's no uh, Sea of Galilee Coast Guard back in the day, if you know what I mean. And it was in this storm, in the middle of the night, here comes Jesus just walking out there on the water to them. And what does he say? He says, right here in something like this Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Let me ask you, would you be afraid? Is that some place you'd want to be in the middle of the night? You know something that's very interesting? Jesus' exact words here to his disciples when he says, it is I, it echoes what God said to Moses back in, back in Exodus chapter 3. You remember the Exodus account where God called Moses, said, Go to Egypt and you, you you rescue my people. And remember, Moses was dealing with what? Fear. Oh Lord, you want me to do this? What makes me qualified? Lord, you want me- what am I gonna say? They're not gonna believe me. Are you sure you don't want somebody else? You got the wrong guy. You know, you read through the story. This is Moses' response. And Moses' like, Well, what do I tell them? And if you look at chapter 3, verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you tell them. You tell them, Moses, I am has sent me to you. Well, I tell you, this is not all that different from this moment with God and Moses, with Jesus and the disciples. It's a scary situation. And Jesus says, take courage. It's me. It's I. I am out here with you. Take courage. Don't be afraid. You remember what Jesus said to his disciples when right before he ascended into heaven after his resurrection in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, he gave them this charge. He says, listen, all authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Friends, that's still the charge to the church today. And then he says this really important thing. And surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe it? That Jesus is present with you. Surely, I'm with you. Everywhere you go, from now to the end, I am not going anywhere. I'm with you. So what what fear keeps you from stepping out on faith? Remember this as well. Jesus is strength in you. Jesus absolutely strength in you. Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, and I think that did something to him. When Jesus said, Take courage, it's me, it's I. You know, uh, Peter says, well, if it's you, tell me to come. Now, I'm not, I've never claimed to be an expert on biblical Greek, okay, the original language of the New Testament, but I've taken a few classes in it. I read a bunch of commentaries. I read what the experts have to say. And it's my understanding that uh, when this verse from the original Greek was translated to English, it came out as a question. If it's you, tell me to come. But a more literal reading from the the original language, Peter is really saying, since it's you, tell me to come. That's a more literal reading of it. So Peter sees Jesus and he's walking on the water. And he goes, he's not a ghost, it's Jesus. And since it's you doing this, Jesus, tell me to come out there with you. And Jesus says, come on out here. Come, yes, and so Peter's like, if this, this strength that he has been given, because now he's seeing Jesus in a whole new light, since it's you, he believed it could happen. You know, in those moments of stepping out on fear, or stepping out on faith and fear wants to take over, how comforting is it to know that Jesus is going to be strength in you? That, that we can step out and say, Lord, since it's you that's calling me out here, I'm going to to do it. And that's what Peter's experiencing, the Lord strengthened him. And you might be saying, well, yeah, I get that. But didn't Peter, after a couple steps, take his eyes off Jesus and, boom, sinks? I said, yeah, that's right. We, we read that together. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. He, he, he doubted. He, he, he let fear. And it's understandable, right? Do you see those waves? It's fear. It's understandable to a certain degree. Yeah, Peter, he, he sank. And we'll get more into that. But I don't want you to miss the fact that Peter was the only disciple that swung those legs over the boat and walked out in water. Where were the other 11? They were safe and sound in their boat. I read this one time and it stuck with me. God rewards transformation, not information. And you think about that God rewards transformation, not information. Everybody on that boat, all 12 of those disciples, they had the same information, didn't they? Take courage, it is I. It's you, Jesus. But only one guy, Peter, had the guts to get out of the boat. Now think about this. 11 of those disciples, for the rest of their lives, would have to wonder what it was like to walk on water. The 11 of those guys, for the rest of their lives, going to have to think about, I wonder what would have happened if we'd have swung our legs over the boat the rail and walked on water too. But no, no, Peter, he was the only one that got to experience it. Jesus' strength was in him in a way that wasn't with the other disciples and he got out and walked on water. And you know, I'm one of those guys that believes the disciples were just real dudes like you and me and you know there had to been times where they're sitting around the campfire after this and maybe it was a quiet moment and Peter's like, <laughs> remember guys, uh, remember when I walked on water and you guys were too afraid. You know that had to happen, right? And you know, the other disciples were like, yeah, well, we, we were there. We saw it. And you took three steps and sank. Yeah, how good. Oh, but those three steps were amazing. There had to have been some playful ribbing going on. But at the end of the day, only one of Jesus' disciples had the guts to put fear aside. Since it's you, muster up that strength and follow him. Finally, there's one other thing I think we should remember, is that when fear wants to keep you from stepping out on faith, remember this, Jesus is peace around you. Now, this is a remarkable miracle in the Bible, and what sometimes gets lost, because this is such a miraculous thing, what gets lost is the final verse that we read. Verse 32, that when they climbed into the boat, what happened? The wind died down immediately. Which begs to ask this question. Who ultimately brought peace to that entire situation? Obviously it was Jesus. Who was really in control when Peter stepped out of that boat to walk on water? It was really Jesus. Who ultimately was sovereign over everything and had the wind and the waves and the moment and the steps and the journey. Who had it all under control? It was Jesus and friends when you step out on faith you step out with confidence even when it might seem crazy or even when it doesn't all make sense and you just know that really the peace in all of this comes from from Jesus. Friends I don't know where you're at today and I don't know what kind of steps of faith God might be putting out in front of you but I do know this, the one thing over anything else that will wanna derail what the Lord's doing in your life is fear. It's fear. And that not only applies to just steps of faith, but that just applies in all circumstances. When life gets a little crazy and it gets turbulent, when our world turns into a big storm and we don't know what's gonna happen, friends, Jesus is sovereign over you. He's the peace around you. He's interceding for you. He's the strength in you all of those things the question is do you believe that or not I believe you do can I pray for you dear Heavenly Father I thank you Lord for being all of those things I know I believe them with all my heart Lord I thank you for your grace too when we've sometimes in our past looked at steps of faith and said no not today I thank you Lord that you You want to use us anyway. And I thank you, Lord, that at times you've given us multiple choice. Lord, I don't know specifically what any step of faith might be being weighed upon today. Lord, I know what we are weighing out as a church. But individually, Lord, you know that. Not me. Lord, please use Matthew 14, please use this example of Peter walking on water and all that led into it inspire us to put fear aside and walk with you and Lord, I know for some in this room today that just may be the simple decision of i 'm ready to follow jesus i 'm going to put fear aside i 'm going I'm to put aside what what people might think i 'm going to put aside this and that I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose today, Lord, to humbly begin walking with you and starting this journey down this road. Lord, it could be that. And if there's anybody wrestling with that decision, Lord, I pray that you just come near right now. Just in your way, Lord, say, come follow me. I already know all your fears, but it's going to be okay. But, Lord, I, we just played this before you, and I... I pray, Lord, you help us as a church to never look at the circumstances in our world and be afraid, but to go to your word and know that we can trust you through any storm. Since it's you, I'm gonna come. Lord, we lift up these things to you and we thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross for us. Lord, we thank you for restoring hope in our lives. It's all in you, Lord, in Jesus' name.